Hi, good evening. Welcome to the latest episode of the Magicast. I'm your host, Scott Monroe. Welcome to episode 126, where we're talking about Sassuolo 2, AS Roma 2, and we've got some listeners' questions also. Tonight with me, I've got James. How are we, James? Fine, thank you. And also, we've got Imran. How are we? Also fine, thank you. Should we get this show on the road? Let's talk about it. The uh, the elephant in the room. So it was uh, Sassuolo 2, Roma 2. Uh, Roma took the lead just before half-time with Tommy Abraham penalty and then a Chris Morning own goal just bef- just after the, uh, the half-time whistle. Then it was Hamad Traore with the goal, uh, the second Sassuolo goal, sorry, where he just got ahead of Rick Karsdorp and Brian Cristante equalised for Roma in stoppage time. That was before... Gian, Gianmarco Ferrari got sent off as a swear. I'm trying to remember all the things that happened yesterday um, in a bit of chaotic last 15 minutes of a game. Imran, I come to you first and I come to you, James, afterwards and I will give my thoughts on the game also. Uh, thoughts on the performance, thoughts on the game. Two points dropped or was it one point gain or was it get our jail free card? Um, for me, it was uh, a game like many of the other we've seen. Uh, a performance low in quality, uh, and um, these are, in my opinion, um, this is another opponent that you could potentially, you know, should be winning against based on your quality. Um, and on top of that, you need to perform much better than we did, and. Um, uh, so yeah, for me it's uh, it's another repetition of many of the other uh, performances this season, and once again highlighting the same issues, same troubles, same problems. So in the end, we managed to to to, to say to get a point, but um, it doesn't make too much of a difference in the wrong run, I would say. No, yeah, I agree, uh, James. What were your thoughts on the performance? It it was quite. Poor at times. Sassuolo were quite unlucky not to go ahead straight away and early in the game because that handball decision looked a little bit harsh. But overall, what were your thoughts on uh, Roma's performance at the map high? Yes, I agree with what's been said. I think, um, uh, first of all, we have to say that, you know, although we did miss Zaniolo, uh, Sassuolo were missing two of possibly... Or two of their probably two of their three best players in Scamacca and Raspadori, and who knows? You know, it's likely. Uh, I think that the result would have been a defeat if those two had been uh, playing. And um, I mean, what struck me was um, certainly at the start we looked quite disorganised, and uh, we got the reprieve with the goal being disallowed, but. Um, the overall play and the difficulty of creating clean chances for the forwards is so like persists such a chronic problem. Um, you 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 almost wonder how that problem began and what can solve it because it's not like you know we can't sit here and say well week after week Sammy Abraham's missing. We've, I think we've said this before, you know, a hat full of chances or something, good ch- good quality chances. He, he isn't having, um, you know, that many clear opportunities to score. And um, he took an excellent penalty kick, mind you. I thought it was very good. Um, 
And uh, really, I mean, you know, and the evidence of this, that there's such difficulty in creating chances, is that um, Consigli wasn't, you know, it wasn't really tested in the second half. You know, we didn't really have an awful lot to do. And um, uh, so the difficulty in creating chances is um, is uh, becoming, you know, a real... Because, you know, obviously if you can't score, and we're not exactly keeping that many clean sheets. So um, uh, overall, very disappointing. Organisation of the team didn't look... Um, very good. And if you compare it to Sassuolo, they were able to develop play from deep quite well, I thought, you know, bring the ball forward. Um, something, again, that we struggled with. And with our, you know, better quality players, I was a bit bemused when Mourinho said in the press conference the day before that Sassuolo have a better quality team than us. I thought that was a bit odd. But um and and I and I think that uh you know you could tell how disappointed the players were because Abraham and Cristante gave excellent interviews afterwards, you know, saying that they both um uh very disappointed not to win the game. And um uh so yeah, so I think it was a game we went into expecting to win. I think the players felt that and um felt like that and uh I certainly did and uh especially in the circumstances uh, Sassuolo depleted and um, uh, in the end you know a very disappointing performance and I wouldn't really have complained too much had we lost the game you know fortunately we didn't but um, I don't think anyone could have really had big complaints if we'd lost the game uh, This is a question for both of you and I'll, I'll add afterwards do you think he needs to the drop the three five two because it looks dodgy and as James pointed out they don't look like creating anything. Um, if he goes back to the four-two-three-one, which I think he should, and it should free up some players, he has to play with a midfield run with absolutely sitting there and just sit in front of the back four and screen. Um, if he gives that to someone like Diawara, I think that'd be okay. Cristante did that okay in a couple of games last season when he changed formation. Because remember, he played as a sweeper under Fonseca, I just think he has to drop the three five two. It's not working. I don't think some of the players like playing it. Like, I don't think Gianluca Mancini enjoys playing in the back three. Um, he looks sort of lost. He got run, like, Hamitroyo ran him ragged yesterday for large parts of the game. He was lucky with that booking also. And I think his... I think his performances recently have just dropped off a cliff. Um, I don't know what you guys think about the formation. Should he just drop it and just go with a back four, and which he started with at the beginning of the season? Um, me personally, I don't think it's too much of uh, the formation in itself because I think the formations, they, they can give you some variety in terms of... Uh, Certain opponents that you play because you can, you can tie, you can keep it a bit tight uh, in some areas in some situations. So you want to have three back there, and but I think the fundamental problem is um, organization. I mean, as a team, we're we're not playing like we should. So it doesn't make any difference if you play with a four-two-three-one or three-five-two or whatever. This the the fundamental problem is still there and. I think that needs to be addressed because if that situation is addressed and this team starts playing, um, you know, better organized football, um, then I think 
you won't notice that much of a difference uh, when you switch between between the formations because it, it, it will be, become it will come naturally to the players and you, sometimes you need to do that to be able to neutralize you know some obvious threats from your opponents so for me i think we were focusing perhaps on the wrong issue if we think that the formation is too much of a problem but yes certainly um, this uh, there are some players that will be better suited for the 4-2-3-1 but i think this team is pretty much you know, should be very used to the uh, back three, especially considering they played it for uh, since um, summer 2020. So, um, about Mancini, I don't know which formation he could potentially be comfortable in because he looks so. Um, he looks um, completely, you know, stripped of any sort of discipline. And um, he looks like, I don't know, someone said it, he looks like a guy with, you know, the mentality of Materazzi, his idol, but uh, he doesn't have the skills to show for it. I was going to say he probably has the mentality of Materazzi, but the skill set of Simone Loria, um, if everyone remembers him from the 2010-2011 season, I think he stayed on a little bit after that. Um, I'm just going to give my thoughts and then I'll come to you guys about a couple of players of the team. I think, I think along with me and probably a few other Roma fans who are over here in the UK and probably abroad, it's getting a lot tougher to watch this team play under Mourinho. Um, it doesn't help when on social media, it's quite toxic. Um, you can't say anything now. We'll get, we'll get battered from pillar to post and then get dragged into conversations. We really don't want to get dragged in. Um, we can't say anything negative about, Jose because as I've just pointed out the Jose fans they're some of them are excellent we've had some really nice interactions with them me personally and on the account also but some of them it's, it's it can be quite toxic and I've seen it myself firsthand on social media but yeah like for the last couple of weeks I want to say since, actually since the international break it's been tough to watch like I watched the two games against Genoa and Inter a bit later than probably you guys have watched it and it was it was horrible to watch. Um, Imran kept me up to date with the, the Genoa game and said what's happened and stuff like because I was at a game myself. But yeah, this, nothing seems to be working. It's flat. Um, we don't look like scoring. We don't really look like creating anything. We look like we're playing within ourselves. I remember James talking us, to us late last year after the Spezia game. Like, they're, they're just playing within themselves and they're reverting energy, keeping their energies and not really doing much. They're just coasting through games. I don't know if that's the player's mentality. I don't think that's the coach. That's the coach's mentality. Like it started so well, like six, six wins out of six, but something we knew something would happen, but the drop off since I want to say the Bodo glimp game, the first game in Norway is scary. Um, It doesn't help when you get, Jose throwing people under the bus, under the players under the bus, and, and as James has pointed out, saying that teams are better coached than us. What does that do? Does that just just make everyone a bit down? It says like, oh yeah, we the team that we're playing is better coached and they've got better players. What's the point? That's just the defeatist attitude already, and it just I think 
I've seen a couple of Roma fans on social media yesterday and over the weekend. They were just like, no, I can't be bothered to watch this Roma no more. Uh, I still love the club. I was like, for me personally, I still watch it. Like I celebrated Cristante's goal yesterday and I felt dirty afterwards and then realised 30 seconds later, Sassuolo nearly nicked a winner and I was actually swearing at my TV going, don't lose it, don't lose it, don't effing lose it. And then you just see Hammond Traore just skin past um, uh, Kumbula and Smalling and then wrap a shot just over the bar. And I was thinking, you work to get into this game and then... 30 seconds later it could have been peak Roma and like Roma against Juve and then you've lost it all over again but yeah oh, I just it's just it, it's demoralizing watching this team you can go from the excellence to the start the start of the season and then the ridiculous now where ever since the January international break's been and gone it's just shit it's just so horrible to watch it's turgid and he needs to stop playing with this three-five-two. For me personally, it's not gaining anything. It's putting like it's not putting any confidence in the players. I've spoken to a few people about it, and it's just it's just a horrible mess. Sorry for ranting for a couple of minutes. That's just my thoughts on it. Um, oh, um, guys, I just wanted to talk about Rui Patricio. He made a mistake. Uh, goalkeepers make mistake, and I've seen some people already throwing him on the bush. Do you think the criticism criticism of his mistake is a bit harsh or fair? Imran, I'll come to you first, and then James. Harsh. Uh, he has all season proved to be a very good goalkeeper. He brings a lot to this team, and uh, that was one mistake. can happen to anyone for me. <laughs> Uh, I don't see the point uh, or any need of throwing him under the bus. For me, he's a great goalkeeper. I'm very happy to have him here. So I'll just look over it. And yeah, for me, he's undisputed number one. He'll continue to be so. I think some fans were quite fickle yesterday that he made one ricket. It's his first ricket in a couple of months. He got caught for the Chanaloglu goal against Inter in December. And I think that's his only two mistakes all season. We've got a proper goalkeeper this season. James, what are your thoughts on Marie Patricio? It was harsh criticism. Yeah, so I think even labelling it as a mistake, I mean, I understand why people say that, but it was actually quite, um, that deflection was quite tricky for a goalkeeper to hand on. I think it was, um, to a certain extent, you know, forgivable um it was a really nasty deflection and uh you know that's um of course that's the benefit of having lots of shots at goal there's always that that probability that you know you're increasing the probability of a deflection and and catching out the goalkeeper but yes overall i mean certainly you know <laughs> if you look drawing up a priority list then the goalkeeper would be uh, if not at the bottom certainly very close to it this season in terms of uh, problems to resolve Oh, totally agree. I just some fans on social media are so narrow-minded. I know we're all fickle and stuff like that. I just think he just made one mistake. That's all. He's probably been one. Yeah, of the you have to look pre- for patterns. Yeah, I think look for patterns, and his patterns of performance has been, you know, um, uh, high quality. Yeah, you know. de- definitely. And um, we've got a goalkeeper this season. Last couple of seasons we haven't. We had Paulo Lopez. Bless him. I thought he was excellent to start off with, and then since that derby pre-lockdown he had a mare and now he's in Marseille I think he's doing okay in Marseille but yeah we've got a goalkeeper this season my second and final point um 
about yesterday, and I think we can draw a line under the performance and everything else about, about it. Lorenzo Pellegrini, it wasn't his best game coming back into the, the situation. It was lacking a bit of, I want to say, intensity. He, he was trying to do stuff, and it didn't really work. Um, that injury has hindered him this season because at the start of the season, he was he was excellent. And then the injury, I want to say late November, early December, and then another one just after the Juve game, going into the next game afterwards. He's been a big miss, but yesterday wasn't his best performance. Where... I saw some other fans saying yesterday on social media that he he wasn't as as best, but overall he's been Roma's one of Roma's best players. But yes, they didn't do great. I just wanted to ask you both: what was your overall thoughts on his performance yesterday, uh, James? I'll start with you, and then Imran afterwards. It was pretty much in line with what I expected. I didn't expect a, a standout performance because when you've been out for so long and you've had interruptions, you know, these long intervals of uh, not playing, I think they take, you know, uh, the longer that persists, then uh, the bigger effect it's going to have. So um, overall, um, I I wasn't disappointed. It was kind of in line with what I expected. But I think that, if, you know, obviously if he gets, um, hopefully, if he can... Um, get some uh, sustained number of games and get some consistency i'm sure he'll um you know t- return to prob you know being one of the best players you know so um i well yeah you know, i think it's just great to see him back you know that mm. was a big uh, uh that was something to um take uh, you know pleasure from i think yesterday yeah, it was great to have him back. I still don't think it was the best fit to play him in the middle with Oliveira and Mkhitaryan. Uh, Imran, what's your thoughts on his on his comeback and his performance yesterday? Oh, I think I think James summed it up perfectly. And um, yeah, I would say something uh, you know along the same lines that when you've been out of action for a while, it takes time mm. for you to you know get in that uh, rhythm and. Uh, yeah, so so it, it was a bit expected, and it was uh, it was probably not the easiest game to come back to. You know, when you play from away from home and uh, you you play against a tricky opponent. So, uh, but yeah, I wouldn't draw you know any drastic conclusions based mm. on yesterday's performance. No, it's just something I picked up on when I'm watching it on the TV over here. And then plus he was getting man-marked by a, an ex-Roma youth team prospect who is a Lazio fan. So something that you pointed out on social media, Imran, a couple of weeks ago in uh, Davide Fratesi. So, yeah. Uh, well, he, he he is a Roma fan. Uh, it was just that I think he was part of the Lazio setup ah. around that time when they won the Coppa Italia. So, and then... You know, Bruno Conti or whoever. Bruno Conti had a tendency to, you know, bring a lot of youth players from uh, the, the, the other youth side. teams of uh, Lazio over to, yeah, to, to Roma. He did it with a lot of players, and uh, and he 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 was one of them. And um, he says that you know, De Rossi is his idol. That's why he uses number sixteen, and he he continues to say that Roma is his favorite team, and he would love to play for them. So uh, I think. Um, yeah, and you know when you are at that age, uh, when you are, you know, he was thirteen, fourteen at that time. It's difficult to expect a thirteen-year-old kid to be, you know, 
that passionate about uh, his favorite club or whatever. And, you know, there have been many incidents uh, or uh, uh, situations where, you know, uh, uh, um, a Roma fan uh, played for, you know, the Lazio youth team and even for their uh, senior team and then, you know, vice versa. You have Roberto Muzzi, who was a big Lazio fan, you know, he came up from the Roma youth team, then played for the senior team there. Uh, but it was no secret that he was a big Lazio fan. And um, wasn't Alessio Romagnoli? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Just Same wanted thing. to point that out. There was a picture going around social media, yeah. I want to say six years ago, when I think it was just after his loan spell with Sampdoria, and he came back, and that picture got leaked. And I just want to thought. Uh, it, it, I think it was deliberate. It, it was yeah. a deliberate move by him, you know, to mm-hmm. provoke before leaving. But you know, at that age, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't make too much out of it. You know, if you look at it that way, you know, Zanioli was a big Juventino growing yeah. up. So, <laughs> um, I will say this: Romagnoni is linked with Lazio. So for the end of the season, when his contract expired, so yeah, I could uh, he could go back to his hometown club. Um, Guys, I think we've probably talked a bit about the Sassuolo uh, game yesterday. Uh, before we go into the listeners' questions, and so thank you very much for the guys that send them in. We've got five good questions to talk about, and we are going to go in depth about it. Do you guys have anything else to offer about yesterday's performance and anything in general about Roma? All I'd say yes. is it's almost like, um, you know, uh, we've kind of uh, set, you know, the, the I, I just don't see where a significant improvement is going to and because obviously we've had the winter transfer window now that's uh, that's come and gone and um I I would tend to think that within relatively narrow parameters performances will fluctuate based on what we've seen so far this season so we might have some really good performances but I think it's unlikely they're going to lead to any sort of sustained improvement um, I mean, you would think as time goes on and the more time the coach and the players spend together that um, uh, things would improve, particularly first season. But um, but that doesn't seem to be the case. So uh, I would tend to think that the if you're trying to plot a trajectory towards the end of the season, that we'll see pretty much um, more of what we've had in the first 60% say of the season. Mm, I think you brought that up, but I want to say just before Christmas that uh, you expected us to, to us, I say us, we Roma um, to be where we are now at the end of the season. I'm sort of leaning to sort of agree with you. Um, Imran, did you have anything else to, to add before we go into listeners question? Yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Uh, just give me a few minutes there, and I will go on a bit of a long run. And oh, no, so go bear, for it. Bear with me here. So, yeah, you, you know, you were speaking about uh, yeah, the Mourinho fans and everything, and it could be a bit toxic. I think the generally social media can be very toxic, mm-hmm. and same goes out to the Roma fans. You have some Mourinho fans who interact with us, you know, in a respectful manner, and it's interesting discussing with them, although we don't always agree. So that that's fine, you know as long as the point of discussion is not necessarily to find agreement, it's just to, you know, exchange ideas to, to try to get a good objective picture of, um, of Roma. And uh, there might be differences of opinion, but that's okay. But the problem that 
uh, you know, first of all, I didn't know, uh, you know, until Roma pointed Mourinho that there are people who actually follow coaches, you know, around for different clubs. I don't have any problem with that. I mean, it's it's their uh, personal choice. If they're fine with that, you know, who am I to judge? But it was just something new to me, and I think it was new to a lot of Roma fans. So, um, and, you know, interacting with them um, is, is a bit, new to us because their loyalty is towards Mourinho so they will try to protect him in any way whatsoever and find excuses for him and and from what it sounds um, so far you know, their opinions are very blessed to them and, um, and that's okay often it's, it's really difficult to convince them of um, you know with uh, with rationale that you believe is correct based on you know analysis and judgments you've done, uh, it's really difficult to to come across. I think it's um, it's like a wall is, which is difficult to to cross. But what I would say is that uh, Roma. It's obvious that Roma is in a difficult position right now. And uh, we were in a difficult position last season as well uh, in the league up until one you know, point we were doing well and then injuries or whatever. So when a team is doing uh, when a team is not doing well, you have to analyze why they're not doing well. And uh, what people think is uh, like we're laying, we're like, you know, like basically blaming Mourinho for everything. That's not the case. There are a lot of factors which contribute to that. It's, it's a multifactorial thing because you have on one part you can be the players. Okay, the players might not be champions. You know, if you need champions to play well, I can I can buy that. You know, the players are not pre- probably the best uh, or most equipped to win you the scudetto whatsoever. But but that's fine. That's one part. But also you have the ownership must take their part of the blame for some of the decisions they've made. And Thiago Pinto, uh, you know, from the uh, director role, the transfers, he has, uh, you know, the, conducted the business he has conducted since he was appointed. And lastly, Mourinho also, you know, he's ultimately the one who, uh, you know, trains these uh, players every day, Trigoria. I mean, he's, uh, he's and his coaching staff, has a huge, huge, huge uh, part of this responsibility for where we find ourselves in. It's just that there are a lot of causes for why Roma are not doing well. But if we are not allowed to say that Monini is one of them, I think it's ridiculous. If you you can you can find whatever excuses for any coach, but to say that he's uh, excused for you know from any type of. Uh, <clears throat> Blame him if you, if you if you take away all sort of responsibility from him because yeah because Roma struggled last season they finished seventh okay fine then we had Mourinho the most experienced uh, you know coach and most merited coach uh, to to do what to to still be seventh place I mean that was not a pain well, a point you could have then if that was the case we could have as well kept Fonseca because we were already seventh so we haven't made any progress if that's due to the players okay fine we did a lot of transfers in the um, summer transfer window was it enough probably not but I think people need to understand people need to accept that um, you can criticize a lot of elements of what's happening around Roma and um, if you don't agree with that, that's fine. But I think if if you look at it with a bit 
of open mind, it will be it will be much more fun to discuss this matter as well. And you know, yesterday, my final points on this. Yesterday, there were a lot of you know statistics being thrown around. Uh, you know, uh, but look at Roma's expected goals and expected assists. You know, <laughs> I didn't even know there was such a thing expected assists, uh, and uh, there were. A lot of these type of uh, statistics have been thrown. Yeah, but Roma are doing well. So the only problem is that they don't convert the chances. I, I, I don't think. Uh, I don't think that's a good way of looking. I mean, this you know this pseudo intellectual state of I mean or state or way of looking at modern football. You know, it, it's a bit. Uh, it's a bit new also because these type of statistics only came seven eight years ago, and uh, but but. With any case, I mean, if you don't have any context, you know, statistics are meaningless. You can provide, you, you can present statistics and try to prove any point. It, 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 that's not necessarily the the point, because you know, when you present statistics like that, there are so many, you know, confounders. If you're into statistics and research, you know, there are so many confounders. There are false associations which can uh, lead to the pre- presentation of these. Uh, statistics which you then use to prove a point so i think i think the statistics can be an important tool uh, to try to understand things but you, you can't look you can't ignore the fact the way the team play because you know if you, you're completely missing the point if you if you try to present some statistics and say you know this is this is the whole problem. Roma just the Roma's only problem is they fail to you know create chances. Well, it's not about just creating chances. It's about establish a certain type of play where you can, uh, where the viewer when he when he sees this team playing, you know he's convinced that you know if if I, I'm sure if you um, take fifty people, you make them watch Roma this season, all of them will say the same. I mean, this team is not. Uh, convincing at all they have a lot of issues and they won't nobody will buy into this thing about statistics or Roma where they're creating chances so you know this attempt to make football scientific to prove an opinion because you're a Mourinho fan or you know whatever fan I don't think that's quite uh, accurate because anyone can throw in statistics to support a claim you know and and to just wrap this up, I think uh, the right way to do it, it will be that, okay, you know, statistics, they can help in many ways, but don't miss the bigger picture because if you're using statistics to, you know, defend Mourinho or defend your opinion, then use it objectively um for when it goes against your coach and against your team or whatever, that would be the right way to do it. But do it in the right way, and don't just do it selectively. You know, just to just to defend your opinion or defend your coach. And I think it has been happening a lot, um, which is why I'm not so fond. And, and to be honest, I think football statistics can be very complicated statistic in itself is very complicated top you know topic it's not as easy as it seems you need to be you need to dive into the uh, fact of you know like expected goals if if you if you get expected goals of yeah two in a game you need to if you want to do it properly you need to dissect that statistic and say well, how did it come to this cl- conclusion which based on which chance 
it's it, it just because some statistic is saying that um, expected goals of two, it doesn't mean it's, it, it's it's the right thing. So that's why different websites have different, you know, um, different numbers. So yeah, that was my two cents on that that part. Your scorching hot take, um, very nicely put, and completely agree. I think you put it in a more poetic and more forthright view than I did probably about 15 20 minutes earlier but yeah can I just add also on that point that we're not journalists we are Roma fans and we've been Roma fans for years and years and probably decades as all three of us we do this for free we don't get paid to do this we do this in our spare time also I got called out for being a a a so-called journalist in November from a, a, a Mourinho fan I'm an office worker. I've been in my job for 15 years. That's my paycheck. My paycheck's through that com- the company I work for. It's not in football. Um, as I said, we do this in the spare time. I do this because I've been the host for almost a year. This is excellent for my mental health during the, t- the two and a bit years we've had, almost, sorry, two years that we've had uh, as a whole in, in the world at the, during this uh, pandemic. Uh, this is great for me. Um, but yeah, um, just talking about Roma is that is is good for my mental health. I'm not a journalist. I I wanted to do it when I was probably about sixteen, seventeen in college. I don't now. Not when I'm thirty four, thirty five in in April. It's far from it. Um, that I, I just wanted to add that point also. Um, but Imran, very nicely put. I think yeah, um, I think that might have been some pent up frustration from over the weekend. Um, guys, should we go into list some listeners' questions? And we've got some absolute belters. And I think I want to talk about start off with one because we were talking about this pre pod. Uh, this is from uh, Maltese Maltese Romanista. Is this season, in your opinion, to that of the 2012-2013 under Zeman and Andrea Zoli? I wanted to say it probably is probably to a to akin of the 2004-2005 season, but probably less chaotic with the coaching changes. Um, I don't know if you two would agree. Um, probably both of you can probably go in depth because we we talked off pod that we wanted to go a bit more in depth about the question. So James, I'll come to you first then Imran. Um, is this season up there with 2012-13? Uh, even we got defeated, I say we, Roma, got defeated in the uh, Coppa Italia final by Lazio, said I'd lose it 73. Um, yeah, so what were your thoughts? Well, I think um, I always think like, what are the consequences of things? You know, I mean, very disappointing seasons, obviously. And uh, I would say that the one thing I would, that the consolation from that season, for example, was the fact we were going to have a bit of a fresh start in the summer. Andrea Zoli was very, very unlikely to continue. And we'd have a new coach and, um, and, maybe some new players because obviously we had Sabatini and he was quite active in the transfer market with players coming and going. So um, I think there was always the, whereas now um, at this stage, I, I'm not sure where, where we, and, and of course back then as well, there was always the idea that, that, that the way the club was being run in terms of, you know, um, develop buying 
players, younger players, developing them, selling them to richer clubs, and then financing uh, you know a competitive team on the back of that, while we developed our our own you know stadium and so on to to improve our economy. That you know you could see there was a project going in that direction. Now you would think that behind the scenes. Um, these things are still going on. So that's what gives me hope. Um, in terms of on the pitch, obviously, Tiago Pinto is another um, area I'm a bit, I don't quite know um, what to expect because he's not got a great track record in, term, in terms of, uh, you know, he's not got a very long track record. So, and obviously the coach has a three-year contract, so we don't know. It's Everything just seems at the moment very... Um, fluid and unsettled so um and i'm not sure how much longer this situation is sort of tolerable for the owners and the fan base so uh, um it's a bit uh i wouldn't i would say in some ways it's similar but in other ways it's it's not, but because I think then we could already already see that you know Zeman was uh, left in February, if I remember correctly, and Correct, then yeah. Andrea Zoli wasn't going to be a long term solution, even if he wanted the job uh, permanently. It, it, it was unlikely, so we we were going to have a bit of a um, you know a, 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 a kind of a I wouldn't say a revolution, but uh, quite a big evolution in the summer, and uh, that's following summer, so. Um, in some ways, it's there are parallels. In others, maybe not. Well, do you go on my thoughts that it could be up there to o four o five, which we were talking off pod? Where do you remember just that that summer of o four, Roma finished second, and then if you fast forward, what nine ten months later, in the end of May, they had to travel to Bergamo to get a result to avoid relegation, and then finish the season in eighth. No, I would I would say that season was far worse for a number yeah. of reasons. One is the risk of relegation, as you say. You know, right mm. up until virtually the end of the that penultimate game in uh, against Atalanta, and then you had the club basically had no money. The owners had no money to invest. Um, we uh, we did end up because we lost the. Coppa Italia final, if I remember correctly. Yeah, to Inter. Yeah. That's right. So we did get. Um, you know, uh, European football the following season. But um, uh, no, I was, and the transfers, if you remember that summer, were all free transfers the following, you know, 2005. And um, so, no, I was, um, although there were obviously, you know, the the core was quite good of the team, you know, despite all the problems we had. Um, So I would say that season, if you're looking at it as a season, that was, for me, by a fair distance, worse. It's chaotic when it four coaching changes. Yes. So it was. Oh my god! So Rudy Voller was in charge for a little bit. Then Gidi Del Nero. Prandelli at the start. Prandelli at the start. Yeah, because yeah. Capello left for Juventus. And if you, because uh, me and Imran, have, I don't know if you have got it. Also, have you got Totti's book? James, have you no? Uh, there's a there's a there's a bit in that about that. So um, that was kept quiet. And remember, Emerson and Zabina left to go to Juventus. Um, I think the transfers were brought in was, if my memory says, was Philippe Mexes. 
and it was he that went to court and didn't Roma have a transfer ban for a little bit That's and right. they could, it could only get yeah. free transfers and then Prandelli was appointed but sadly he had to leave the club because his wife wasn't well I think his wife died not so long afterwards due to cancer if I Simone Perotta of course replaced Emerson yes yeah and then R- Rudy Vola come in for a little bit That's then right. Gigi Dalneri came in for a bit had a massive fight with Cassano if and then Bruno Conte took over for the last little bit of the season and got Roma over the line. Mm. That season was just a mess. And then you had the Champions League debacle where it was Roma, Dynamo Kiev, Bayer Leverkusen and Real Madrid. And in the first game in the Champions League in that in that group, uh, a lighter was thrown onto a pitch and hit Andreas Frisk. And I think the game was abandoned and given to Dynamo Kiev as a 3-0 victory and then Roma had to play the rest of the season in the Champions League at the Stadio Olimpico behind closed doors. So, yeah. Um, Imran, your thoughts on uh, Maltese Roma's question. Is there parallels of 2012-2013 with, uh, with this season's and this generation of Roma? Uh, I, I don't think it's... Uh as bad as uh, 2004 2005 like for obvious reasons like James and you just now discussed it, to some extent it can have parallels to 2012 2013 but remember 2012 2013 was the second year uh, under the american you know ownership it was a roma which was still under construction uh, it had quality wise it had weaker players it has some interesting players coming up and you had a coach who played a very specific type of uh, football very attacking he gave us some good victories that season uh zeman especially the 3-1 win at san siro we beat milan 4-2 and then under Andrazzoli we beat juventus 1-1-0 so there were some good moments in that season but yeah that was a frustrating season as well to um, to an extent, you can draw parallels to that. But there's another season, I think 2002-2003 was also frustrating. But during that season, we we didn't finish with that many points because we had, uh, we had a lot of draws and losses. And uh, But that's another season that was very frustrating. We finished eight uh, that time. So... I think these three seasons have a lot in common. Uh, but what's most disappointing is that unlike in 2002-2003, that summer we didn't really uh, invest that much because there wasn't any money left. So we basically kept the same squad from the previous season. We brought in Guardiola that summer, but you know he didn't fit into uh, Capello's pants. So... Um, uh, we were economically in a difficult situation in 2012-2013. We were bringing in players, but with a different profile than we did now. We didn't spend as heavily as we did. We brought Marquinhos that summer, who turned out to be really good. But this summer, actually, we we actually spent a lot of money on players trying to improve the squad. But this squad has some had some obvious uh, weaknesses, but um, I won't say it's a fully complete squad, but I, I would definitely say that this squad is better than the squad we had 
in 2012-2013. It's a difficult one because De Rossi was, you know, you had De Rossi then the DM. But that team had, you know, other flaws. But I, I would say, yeah, there are similarities, but uh, we have to wait until the end of the season to see where we end up. But, yeah, some similarity to that season, yeah, but not not the two thousand four, two thousand five. That was that was my worst, you know, season as a Roma fan. This will shock both of you, but that was my first season following Roma. And uh, what did I expect? Two thousand four, two thousand five. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was lucky because I got the Scudetto oh, uh, as a fan. Uh, I was. Uh, I, I gather is you got the Scudetto as also James. You're probably a more Roma support the club more than both of us yeah because I, I i came along just as the club started its decline at the end of the 80s after oh, wow. the 80s um right at the end of the 80s had a uh, started a decline that went on throughout the whole 90s really um uh, i mean there were some decent seasons and that but fifth place was like the ceiling really um and uh and then obviously had the Scudetto, yeah. And then a bit of an up and down decade after that. Well, uh, of course, uh, the general, uh, the second half of that decade was helped because uh, of Calciopoli, you know, and we got back into the Champions League. And yes, yes. Great coach and Spalletti and that. So, yeah, the, the season that I don't think the guys who previously did the podcast on the Magicast don't want, really want to talk about in 0910. Um, as Imran talked about 0203, I've actually got the table in front of me. So Juventus won the league uh, by seven points ahead of Inter, who finished in second. Milan finished in third. Lazio fourth. So the top three qualified to the Champions League group stage. Lazio qualified for the Champions League third qualifying round. Parma were fifth. Udinese was sixth. They qualified for the first round of the UEFA Cup. Chievo finished seventh and Roma finished eighth. And they qualify, uh, Roma qualified for the UEFA Cup first round and Brescia and Perugia, who finished in ninth and tenth. And I imagine both of you remember this, qualified for the Interdoto Cup, uh, a wonderful tournament that is now defunct that was played up into the early 2000s. And Relegation was Atalanta, Piacenza, Como, and the club me and James were talking about earlier in Torino, off pod. Um, Torino actually finished bottom with 21 points, but yeah. Um, seasons, I think 0405 has got to be the worst one I've seen. Probably Imran, you've probably seen 0203, and also James with that. But 12-13, was, that was a mishmash. You had Zeman with his... Zemanlandia football, we could look great one week and look absolutely horrible the next week. Do well in the cup competitions under Andrea uh, Aurelio Andrezzoli, sorry. Defeat Inter in the, was it the semi-finals of the Coppa Italia? Get to the final against Lazio and totally bottle it in, in that game. And then you had that win against Juve when Totti scored that absolute screamer. And up until this season, that was um Aurelio Andrezzoli's only win against Juventus up until the second round of this season where his Empoli side won at the J Stadium 1-0 and did an absolute wonderful job. But yeah, crazy, crazy season. Crazy, <laughs> great foot. Uh, it's great being a Roma fan, isn't it? <laughs> um, uh, I've got, we've got four more questions, guys. We can go in depth on the other four. Uh, 
This is from at Romanista SRQ. This is actually a very good question. Are the Freakins working behind the scenes on a new stadium? So what was it now? Is it nine years since Stadio della Roma? Is it around that time? Yeah, the the actual land was, um, the site was chosen in December 2012 when they had the signing ceremony in Orlando between the Christmas and New Year, 30th of December 2012. That's when the site was chosen and the project itself was presented in March 2014 and everything was going smoothly Um, and then there were elections in Rome and Virginia Raggi became the mayor and then things started to go uh, off the rails after that unfortunately just a caveat on that if Roma and, and under the freakings try and go for a new stadium do you think they'll be hit with the same bureaucracy that Rocco Camiso has been hit with at Fiorentina and the same problems he's having there I think it's very specific to the city. I think, um, like clearly in Milan, for example, there, there, there's a great desire on if you follow these things on the part of the city council to, um, to uh, you know, have a new stadium next to the or very close to the San Siro, and um, which would obviously make the San Siro redundant because wouldn't have football every week so and it would be a shared so, so i think between shared between inter and milan so i think there's so i think it's very specific to the uh local authority um but i get the impression from what we've heard um from the new mayor in rome since last and back end of last year that he's very keen and he wants to you know meet the freakins and he sees it as a as a big uh you know thing for the city but of course, then you have the pro- once you get into the detail of site and then uh, capacity, size, and so on. That's when you you could run into uh, problems because you know if you if you want to. I've always said one of the great advantages of Tour de Valle was that um, yes, you had to invest in transport. You know the train line down there to Ostia that goes past that area but but you know you didn't really have many people to upset you know there was a lot of people within close proximity but there were you weren't disturbing people whereas if you want to build it in a more urban area you've got business owners shopkeepers mm. residents and Restaurants, exactly, exactly and and yeah. and some people have already said like compared some of the areas that have been mentioned that are quite central some of them uh one of them in particular quite close to testaccio one of the uh sort of uh heart probably the heartland of the mm. uh, as roma support you know it, it would tour de valle would be like a uh a, you know a cakewalk compared to uh to that you know so um to trying to get permission to build something so i think it is be very much dependent on but i I think the political will is that and that's you could say almost the biggest hurdle that is that that does seem to be there to build a stadium Uh, it's something that the city council wants um but the details but but to answer the question Cut a long story short. Yeah, I think they. I think it's inevitable. I don't. I wouldn't have thought. I wouldn't have thought. Well, what's the point in buying the club if you want to didn't want yeah. to develop it? You know. So um, yeah, is the answer. 
I don't know if you, because uh, the last time I went to the Stadio Olimpico was uh, almost three years ago. It was Ranieri's last, no, Ranieri's first game after um, Di Francesco and Monchi got f- got f- fired. I want to say, yeah, after that um, derby defeat and, and the game against Porto. But I mean, in, this, in the situ- where it's situated, it's the, near the Ponte Milvo. It's in the Farnesina area of Rome. It's a nice area, Rome. Some nice restaurants, nice bars there's a couple of nice hotels one of the hotels i go to is that i stay cl- quite close to the ground just for for my sake and my mental health because i when i travel I, I travel alone but i think when people like live quite far away the transport's not the, not the greatest i don't know if both of you have had those problems when you've gone to a rome and you may have gone on a night game or a or a game in the afternoon it's like the transport after the game is not the greatest I've had a problem when my first trip to Rome actually was Roma Juve in 2013-14. It was the final home game of the season. It's like it took me like an hour and 20 minutes to get a taxi after the final miss after the final whistle. It was that game that could have been played on a Saturday, could have been played on a Sunday, could have been played on a Monday, and they did it on a Sunday evening. It's just like they don't think about the fans with the transport after the game. I don't know if you two have had the same problems when going to the Stadio Olimpico. Well, I think that, yeah, I mean, I um, try to plan using public transport, but I think mm. that, um, but yeah, it's not, it, it, you, you, and you, I think you do have to plan it, otherwise you could get stranded. You get horrifically lost, yes. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that um, a lot of people still drive, like to drive. Yeah, to I've, I've noticed that also, yeah. Yeah, so that's part of the reason maybe why, you know, investment, but I think going forward for a whole range of reasons that we, everybody knows about you know public transport is probably going to become more the norm using public transport mm. so um which was of course one of the stumbling blocks at tour de vale that was that in order to pay for all the extra transport infrastructure the um the the business park was added on so that the investors would you know in return for paying for the upgrade of the railway line they would uh you know, have um, have this lucrative business part to uh, uh, um, exploit. Um, so, uh, um, I think transport will be a. a key, I, I would imagine it would be a key. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a key factor in the decision. That's that, that uh, of of not only, of course, where the stadium site which site is chosen but what capacity you're going to be looking at because it's Mm. no good having you know a stadium for sixty thousand people and people can't get there that easily on a regular basis you know so um uh yeah totally agree um i think this uh, is a common culture in italian grounds in as a problem with like transport and stuff like that i was listening to the gentleman ultra podcast they did last april and they were talking about stadium problems in italy um i think it dates back quite a while i think probably down to the world cup in 1990 though i was speaking to a couple of roma fans when actually i was in rome a couple of years ago and they were like it's well i think one of the fans they were from liverpool there was a couple it took like 45 minutes walking to the ground and they were staying, staying quite centrally in rome and it's like they struggled to get transport afterwards so yeah i think that's a main problem um imran do you have any thoughts about the freakings maybe finding the site to in the background to 
to a new, uh, build a new stadium. Sorry. I I don't know too much about that. I mean, but uh, I would. It would be silly of them to not have have anything, you know, work going on. And from from what we have seen since they have owned the club, they tend to work, you know, silently in the background without making too much noise. So that's their preferred, um, you know, method of working. While as for Palota, he wanted to, you know, make a lot of noise, get the media on, wanted to create the pressure uh, through that channel. So I think if you <laughs> Politically, I mean, speaking, if you have, if you know the right people, you can get things done in Italy. Uh, I'm not talking about corruption or anything, but you know, that's that's just how it works. (laughs) That's natural, you know. Whatever uh, in in life you are, if you know the right people, you know, you will get things done. So, so that then also could be um, obviously, you know, political parties, you know. Um, who is running the city, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But um, um, yeah, the, I, I would be surprised uh, if they weren't working on something in the background. No, that's that's fine. I, I, just before I go on to the next question, is it only Juventus and maybe Udinese and Atalanta? Does they are they the only three teams in Syria that actually own their stadium, and the rest is the council or the city? I think that's right. Yeah, I think Sassuolo might as well. Yeah, I think and is it bought the Mape. Yeah, is it Frosinone in Serie B also because they redeveloped the stadium? So that's memories, right. Yeah, memory so they did, they did right. A very good job. Yeah, very good they job. Really so did a great job. Yeah, because yeah, the Dutch yeah. are so is it the Dutch are, uh, which is, is that's Atalanta, isn't it? Yeah, that looks quite nice. When if it's redeveloped, uh, Udinese Stadium. If I mixed the, the two up, I apologize, but Udinese's redevelopment looks amazing. And, um, but then you've got the horrible grounds on which I've, I talked to people on social media about like, um, Hellas Verona's and Kievo Stadium. I've heard a lot of problems about that. Um, Sampdoria, uh, the toilets in Milan. But yeah, I think the stadiums in Italy, we could probably talk about in depth on another podcast at another time. Um, the next question is uh, from at, uh, so it's from Aeroplanino. I know playing in, in Europe is important and can attract a certain quality of players but do you think maybe a season with no extra competition could benefit this team next season i think that, that's probably yes i think it's benefited i think we talked about a season earlier so season 12 13 roma didn't have i think they finished sixth and missed out on the Coppa italia final which meant when rudy garcia came in he had a clean slate and brought his players in which he did and Roma that season had no European competition and they finished second. So if that happens, say they get knocked out of the conference league in the quarterfinal stage or semi-final stage and then finish seventh or eighth this season, they can start fresh off next season and just only worry about Serie A and the Coppa Italia. I think that's something they could think of. Um, Imran, I'll come to you. Would you agree with that? You know, I actually like the European competitions. Uh, I like uh, playing in Europe. I think if you 
if you construct a good enough squad uh, with the right depth, then uh, then that shouldn't be an issue. Uh, so I, I, I get the point, uh, and I do understand that some people would prefer not to play in the Europa League and Conference League to focus on the Champions League, and that is a good point. But um, I personally like the comp. I mean, I personally like playing in the European competition, so I wouldn't mind playing in the Europa League. But I do get that. Um, um, it would be a, perhaps more suitable for the squad or the team to focus on one competition and that could increase our chances of finishing top four. Yeah, James, would you agree? So it's a difficult oh, sorry. one. Yeah, sorry. No, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off that. James, would you agree? Because I've seen a couple of times in the last couple of seasons, teams like Inter... Oh, Inter probably won't get far. Like under um, Conte, they'd absolutely binned off Europe to talk... Uh, to concentrate on Serie A. Napoli did the same last season when they got knocked out by Granada in the Europa League. Roma got to the semi-final of the Europa League and got dismantled by Man United at Old Trafford and then their Serie A form dipped. So would you like just have a, a fresh season where you can only think about Serie A and the Coppa Italia? Yeah, I mean, those examples you give, you know, they are... Um, I think why people cite this as a potential advantage. I mean, I actually uh, don't agree. I, I will always want to play um, one of the European competitions mm. because, um, uh, you know, Roma is the only major Italian club never to have won uh, a, Euro, you know, a, a UEFA club competition. I mean, all the others have won at least one. Uh, some of the multiple winners, of course. And um, it's always been like a big source of frustration to me that, um, I mean, I do remember the last time we played the final in the UEFA Cup back in 1991 against Inter. And um, uh, our last final, in fact, 31 years ago. Wow. wow. Time yeah, so, <laughs> so um, and when you look at teams that have played in the sec- certainly in the second competition, uh, um, the final, you know, there's no reason why we shouldn't have played at least one final in that period. So I, I like the, uh, and also I think um, it brings a different dimension to the season. Economically, I think it's critical, really, that Roma plays uh, European football every season. I think mm. that's even in a, even in the um, Europa League. Um, or the Conference League, you know, it's 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 important. Plus, I mean, we are now ranked, believe it or not, I think it's 12th or 13th in the five-year coefficient ranking for all the European competitions. So out of all the clubs in Europe, Roma's about 12th or 13th. So, um, you know, if we did manage to get back into the Champions League, you know, our, our ranking would be, uh, thanks to, you know, like you're saying, the um, semi-final last season in the Europa League. Thanks to that sort of um, season, it, it helps us the next time we go back. You know, hopefully it's not too long back into the Champions League. Plus, you've got, I think, um, you know, you, you have to maintain a certain depth to your squad when you play in Europe, as if you if you're just concentrating alternatively on Serie A and you have the Coppa Italia, because the Coppa Italia could be one game. This season it was two games. Hmm. You know, it could, it could be five games maximum. So it's easier to then, if you like, I think easier to 
switch back to a season where you do have European football, you know, hopefully in the Champions League, you know, in the not too distant future. So I think that that squad depth is easier to maintain when you're playing one of the European competitions. Plus, I, 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 I'm, I mean, this might be more personal than and won't necessarily apply to everyone, but I remember kind of when the European competitions were just exclusively knockout competitions. Yes, no, I remember, no yeah. group stages. And I find the Europa League and the Conference League, kind of the Thursday night football, very much like almost uh, a bit of a um, like uh, time travel back to the 80s and 90s and how teams from and clubs from across various European countries. I mean, we saw it this season in the Europa League. We played team, sorry, in the Conference League from Norway, Bulgaria and Ukraine. Ukraine, Ukraine yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, and who knows who we're going to face in the uh, round of 16. So, um, um, so, and, and if you look at the Europa League this season, it's very competitive competition. I mean, you've got Napoli playing Barcelona on on Thursday. That could mm-hmm. be a, a Champions League last 16 game quite easily. So, um, and, and, you know, it's not so easy to win these competitions, you know. I mean, you look at the Europa League. Manchester United were in it last season and they didn't win it. No, they got beaten by Villarreal in the final. And Tottenham were in the Conference League this season and didn't make it out of the group stage and didn't play particularly well in in any of their games. So um, maybe one or two of the home games they had uh, better games. But um, so, um, and I think it's good for players to play against different styles of football. You know, I think that's a, a developmental thing and I think that was why of course the conference league was introduced because it would give more players from you know the the, the Europa League was shrunk back to 32 clubs from 48 and then they added 16 more to create that the conference league so it gave more so I think you you get you know you come across different styles of football which can help players to grow and develop um so yeah so generally for all those reasons I I I'd always want to play and um uh one of the cups you know no i agree and also you've got i think we were talking about coefficients we were talking about that 17 18 season where roma got to the champions league semi-final so they still got that in the back burner uh, i think yeah um i've got two more questions <laughs> gonna love this one uh fonzie's back aka zaniolo ismo Sorry, boys. Are you Mourinho out right now? If yes, who do you think is the best fit to replace him? Uh, that's a great question. <laughs> I, I'm i not Mourinho out right now. No, I think that uh, personally, uh, I've been you know, critical of some of uh, his coaching. And that's natural when you analyze and try to find you know, things that can be fixed. But I'm not worrying you out. Uh, that would be silly, uh, especially now anyway. It's not going to lead to anything. He's going to stay here until summer, and then we have to see, to analyze the season, see how it went. Uh, and, um, uh, yeah, I think it will be difficult to uh, to part ways with him in the summer too. But it depends also how this season, the, you know, well, goes on from here. But... Uh, no, uh, I'm not money out. Yeah, me neither. I think it was. Um, you've got the risk now that you gave him a three-year deal, 
and also you're paying him a lot of money. And it's, um, as I said to someone yesterday, why risk it now? Um, you may have to play the waiting game. But um, if he does leave, crystal ball, we're talking maybe a year or two down the line. Who would you, who would you both bring in? Who would you, if you had to think of someone, could it be someone who's now coaching in Ukraine that could have been a better choice? Um, so who would you both go for? Hint, hint, I was saying to Zerbi, if anyone takes a chance. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not too convinced as of yet. Uh, I think it would be, it would have to be someone more, um, someone with a better pedigree than him because he, He's been an interesting name. I think uh, Vincenzo Italiano has been more promising. Mm. I, I think it's difficult to say, but you know, in two years' time, a lot can happen. They can course, be yeah. another coach, you know, up and coming, you know, doing well. So you know, you could have Ivan Juric. Uh, um, in two years' time, he could be on a different level, you know, much better and doing tactically very well and ready to take the next step. So a lot can happen, but. Uh, uh, right now, I don't think uh, I, I haven't thought too much about it. Actually, haven't analyzed the situation. No, I haven't. But before any Jose fans come into come into our mentions, did, that was a hypothetical question. It's not going to happen. It was just a thought. Um, James, are you Jose in or Jose out for the time being? Um, I'm not Jose out now, but I do think that. Come the end of the season, there will be a um, there, well, there almost inevitably there'll be a, a thorough review, probably by the Friedkins about how things went, what you know, and um, I, I think um, there, you know, there we're in a, an, an age seems where there are lots of promising coaches around. I mean, you think of what Igor Tudor's done at. Um, Verona's is almost oh, remarkable. Revelation. He didn't have a pre-season with them. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Revelation. Absolutely done a wonderful so, job this season. Indeed. So, um, but um, also, uh, I think Pinto's right. I think the problem might be that Pinto is so, and this is something that's sort of in the back of my mind, if Pinto's so bound to Mourinho, would we end up in a situation like, we did with Monchi and Di Francesco when, when for whatever reason, uh, Monchi refused point blank to uh, change Di Francesco when it was blatantly obvious to everyone that, you know, he couldn't, you know, it's just, it was un- an untenable situation. The, in the end, he just, you know, the decision was taken out of his hands and he resigned. And I wonder if we're heading in that direction again, because the problem we've got is Pinto is so entangled with Mourinho. You know, it's not like hiring a coach like when we hired someone like Fonseca or even someone like further back Garcia or rehired Spalletti, you know, where um, they might have been seen as a, a good candidate at the time and so on. It was, this was a real like, you know, there were other options available, but nothing was taken into consideration as soon as Mourinho became available. So I could foresee a very, 
I, you know, if things, as I say, if things don't change very much, which I think is extremely difficult now to see things changing, um, I've lost a lot of hope that we could make, you know, go beyond the round of 16 or the quarterfinals in the Europa League. Hopefully that happens, but I, 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 sorry, in the Conference League, beg your pardon, but I think that that looks difficult now. Um, So I would say uh, if things basically go as maybe we expect they might go or as I expect they might go towards the end of the season, more of the same, in other words, nothing fundamentally changing, then I think it will be a really um, difficult, difficult uh, end of the season in terms of once the season's finished and what happens with Mourinho, what happens with Pinto even. Um, you know, I could see um, I could see a lot of really difficult situations. And that doesn't mean anybody leaves, but... Yeah, I can I can see it being quite difficult for the uh, the freakins. Um, might have some big decisions to take. Yeah, it could be a tough appraisal come June or July, come the start exactly, of preseason, yeah. where let's just say Roma finish seventh and get probably to the semi final, the Conference League, and probably have to qualify again for another playoff for next season. It just feels like it's the same season. It's 2021 I had to think the numbers there and and it'd be like the same positions all over again um I think I sort of agree with you now James where I think some tough decisions might have to be made in the summer because you've put a lot of investment in the previous summer like the, the summer's just gone you've got a lot of investment in the in the squad that you made in the summer you didn't make any sales the sales that you did were just loans and you did loans in the in january i think there may be a, a summer of some tough questions and some uh, of the balance and sorry and balancing of the books where you might have to get rid of some players as well but that's three four months down the line uh we've got a final question it's a bit of a long-winded question it's from at tony cargo 12 um it's a question you can just take the last part i think that's yeah, the question yeah the question's the last part but tony's very passionate um he's he's probably one of the nicest jose Mourinho fans that we've myself and imran have interacted with him he's very passionate and he does hit us quite a lot and the last question is he does go in depth so would it be best just to go with the question at the bottom imran would you say yeah. 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 Okay. Um, my question is, why are we not affording Mourinho the time his CV deserves? Whether you like him personally or not, his CV deserves you give him time. Do you think he's fair? Because we've only give it's only seven months of the season. I don't think anyone's asking him to be sacked. I always thought that the first season under Jose was going to be the toughest because he's coming in. He'll probably want to implement his style and his tactics and his way of football and his management 
mentality on the squad. That takes time. I don't think you'll get to see his Roma, not until next season and probably the season after. That's my thought. Um, Imran, I'll come to you first, and then James, I'll come to you after, and that's the end of the questions we got. So on Tony's question, what are you thinking about Jose and his CV? I don't think anyone has any problems with giving him time. I mean, he's. Uh, we know that this club is going to give him time. I think that uh, uh, despite the fact that you know uh, about time, we will still, we will still, be, we still should be allowed to you know analyze um, you know how we think the club is doing you know Mourinho is not immune to any type of criticism because he's the coach of this club with a lot of responsibility and I think I believe that we should be allowed to to to, to, to discuss that uh, so we're not giving it's not like we're not giving him time it's just that um, and it is a very difficult job in a very difficult environment with the media and everything and when it's natural that when a coach of his caliber comes to Roma there will be expectations and it's also fair to say that he has lived up to these expectations yet but uh, you know we're giving him time you know I said in September October that Abraham at that point hadn't lived up to the expectation up until that point you know but I was still saying that uh, you know it would be silly to 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 label him a flop because the season is early and he needs time to adapt and if if you look at his statistics now he's doing well I would say it's a, a he's having a good season you know so so th- things can change in, uh, in football but I, I still believe that we should be we should be allowed to assess the club and the performances and you know the coach as well so uh so so, so, so we should be allowed to do that and uh, if he you know gets his players if he gets you know makes them play in a certain way uh, start getting results i think everyone, everyone will be happy but while that is not happening it's natural to to discuss that and trying to find solutions for why things are not working I, I don't believe that the explanation is as simple as that this team sucks this team doesn't have good players this team has been doing you know uh, poorly for a long time this team hasn't won a trophy for 14 years yeah but you know we didn't hire a uh, coach of Marina's caliber to you know to to make the situation even worse, and you know in all honesty that's what it seems like now. Uh, so uh, all of this uh, should be allowed to to be discussed. But yeah, I mean we're, we're giving him time. The club is giving him time. So I, I don't think that's uh, it, it might have come across like that because we've been discussing him. But we do that with uh, with everyone. We did it with Fonseca and. Uh, We'll do it with Mourinho. We'll do it with the next coach who comes after him, whenever that might be. So, so, so time is not an issue, Tony. Time is not an issue. It's just results, isn't it? Isn't it, Imran? It's just the results that matters. Time you'll be given all the time in the world, and to in- implement his ideas. Results matter. We, yeah, results matter. We do have patience. We have time, but uh, you know, to it, it would have been so boring, you know. What would we talk about in the podcast if we're not going to discuss the thing? What would we do? Oh, you know, Roma play the shit game again. But yeah, yeah, let's give him time, you know. Yeah. We can't say anything negative. We just need to give him time. That's not how things work, you know. We, we try to do it in, you know, you know uh, without any agenda or anything. We just try to objectively um, analyze things. And 
uh, if you come across that in a different way, then you know, uh, I would just say that's not the intention. Um, I'm not saying you know we're not professional, we're not the biggest expert, but we have a passion for online. We try to come and speak about that. Uh, in an objective way, you know, perhaps so some people can relate to it and get ideas to what's happening, why things are happening, and how things can be f- they can be fixed. Because uh, it might be that we have discussed some stuff that other people have not done, and it could also be that you know, when you look at the question, people are coming with really good questions. So obviously they're thinking in a different way, which which helps us too to 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 reflect and so 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 yeah, yeah I appreciate that. Agreed. Uh, James, do you have any thoughts on Tony's question about Jose's CV and given the time that he needs to have? Yeah, I think it's interesting because I think Rome is a club that does give time to coaches. Yeah, yeah, I think what Imran was saying there, you know, two whole seasons to Fonseca, um, Garcia was given more time than probably uh, he, he should he should have had um, same with Di Francesco. Yes, exactly. So I don't think I think um, that you know Roma's really um, reluctant to change coaches, and I think that's a really commendable, and I think that's a great thing. Um, but I also think that time by itself doesn't really solve anything. Like like you have to see something. Uh, <laughs> you have to see something either you know uh, um some progress and progress doesn't necessarily have to be linear you don't have to be always getting better and better you can have dips and 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 so on but i think um like it just to draw a parallel fiorentina have you know they've had dips this season they didn't they lose a game heavily recently i think and uh Quite unexpectedly, they lost uh, quite a heavy defeat recently, and uh, yeah, four 0 to Torino. That's, Torino, it. that's yes, the game. Yes, yes, that's, that's the, the game yes. I was thinking of. Yeah. So, um, but overall, if you looked at the balance, you could see that team's made significant progress over the last twelve months, and I would say we have made no progress over the last twelve months in the sense that we don't seem to have. Um, uh, uh, a clear um it's a word that's often you you know identity in terms of m- method of play um consistency of uh, selection and so on and and um Mourinho also i don't think he's done himself any favors keep talking about need better players we need you know champions and this well he's not going to get them i mean that's the pre- you know we we can, he's he's not going to get them I mean, that's the fact. In his first three years here, he's not going to get those players. And if those are the players that he wants, then I'm sorry, but he's not going to get them. Okay, it's yeah. This is the fact, you know. Um, yeah. And uh, so it comes down again to what was the strategy, what was the thinking behind hiring a coach who wants those type of players? Now, if he's prepared to accept not so, if you like, um, storied players and work with them and develop the players that he is given and the budget allows then um, and, and the quality of scouting and so on and, and the opportunity to sign players like Tammy Abraham for example um, that's that's all well and good but if he consistently saying and demanding that he we get signed more and more expensive players well I'm afraid that's not going to happen so um, I, I'm a bit, 
I'm not really sure. The whole problem comes down to what is the um, strategy. And I don't see a strategy at the moment, certainly not a very clear one. So, And that's as much Tiago Pinto's fault, I think, as anyone else's fault. And and it may be there isn't a strategy. It may be that they took him to, you know, they thought he could attract players and and he would offer much more than what other coaches who might might have been more expected to to have become Roma coach, like for example, De Zerbi or Vincenzo Italiano, that type of coach who that up and coming coach we might have perhaps been expected to take. So um, so until I see something more strategic looking i'll i'll continue to have doubts about and some sort of direction i'll continue to have doubts about you know how long um his tenure is actually going to be whether he's gonna you know complete his three years you know because it can't be i don't think you can say well he's going to cost a lot of money to replace you know if it got to that period i don't think because you think you're going to lose even more money with a coach who you don't believe in and you don't want to invest further in you know um and i don't i i don't one of the real problems i have is that this team should be beating genoa at home it should be beating venezia or what you know there's been the argument that the team isn't very good and that's why we're we are where we are only holds water if you lose or usually lose or don't beat superior teams. But that's not the case. Like like yesterday was a good example. Yeah. We couldn't beat an inferior team. So, um, yeah. I think you're speaking like how most Roma fans are feeling right now. Uh, James, I think you've hit the nail completely on the head there. Uh, that's the end of the listeners' questions. Uh, thank you very much to all the guys who put through questions. Some excellent questions there. And we've gone more in-depth over the questions that we've had over the last 50-odd minutes than we've actually talked about over the football that was played yesterday in uh, Romilio Emania. Um, so, guys, you can follow us on that, com. Uh, you can find all our podcasts on the on the website on there. You can find all the previous uh, the previous hundred and twenty five on there. Um, you can find us on all pod, um, podcast platforms. So your your Apple Podcasts, your Spotify, your um, Podbean, TuneIn, SoundCloud, etc., etc. Guys, we've gone nearly close to an hour and a half. Uh, we've gone proper in depth tonight. So. James Imran, thank you so much on this uh, this Monday evening. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I'm actually mentally exhausted now. <laughs> thank you, thank as you. always. Yeah, it's been an absolute fun. It's been an absolute pleasure. We've gone from talking about the game, talking about seasons past, uh, answering the questions. So, thank you very much. Um, my voice is almost about to pack out as well. So, uh, for me, uh, thank you guys, and for Roma and ciao. Ciao. Ciao.